0: Today's program is brought to you by Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com.
1: This week on Meet and 3, we get ready for Super Tuesday by looking at how food shapes elections both at home and abroad.
2: People know that you don't order a Philly cheesesteak with Swiss cheese as John Kerry did back in the 2004 cycle.
0: A young group of friends decided that they would put up a website which told voters which polling booths
2: had sausages. Prime Minister David Cameron was pictured about a week after this incident eating a hot dog in a bun with a knife and fork because he was so afraid.
1: Tune in to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues, this is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from Nastasia de Hammer Lopez and Matt in the booth. Today we have special guest Peter Punching Bag from the Museum of Food and Drink. How you doing? Hello. Yes. <laughs> Calling all your questions to 718 497 2128. That's 718 497
1: 2128. How you doing, Matt? <laughs> I'm doing whenever just fine. Whenever,
3: whenever, Matt.
2: From whenever to whenever. Whenever well, Dave, we came are in a, a new Arnold world and we're all We came
1: it. up with a new radio show concept now, that will. Just do it without me then. Just do it without
2: me. <laughs>
1: just have, do it without me Stas, Why
3: times Stas, Just do it without me Do you want to or talk I'm about The new radio show it's concept We came up the with the guy in Iowa Or whatever the hell he is Indiana Will you remember Where these people live
1: Stas Why don't yes. you tell Dave About the radio show concept We came up with
3: The, the clothing Fashion yeah. Yeah. I want to interview that guy I want to interview the server Who looks really cool
2: Wait, he looks like this every day. He literally only owns one pair of clothes. He's wearing this pair of clothes every day. Uh, it's a pink shirt. Like. factually incorrect. Factually, in, I feel like I've seen those orange, those no. orange camo Harlequin no. camos like every day. No. Orange yellow split he Harlequin
3: something new. Hair is always new.
2: Nails are new. His hair yeah. is always some shade of something. Right, so, that's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> it's all the same. It's a lot of work.
1: Essentially, it's going to be Stas issues. Right, starts mm-hmm. at noon, ends whenever Dave arrives. Let's do it. It's a 33-minute-long show. (laughs) It's longer than Cooking Issues at this point.
2: Uh, It's great. Anyway, uh, are you familiar with the famous camouflage book put out by an English fashion designer who's (laughs) anti-military? No. No. It's very expensive. It's hard to get. I try to get a copy, but the author's... Maybe you could be a guest on Stas Issues and talk about it. (laughs) Uh, No, it's impossible. It's literally impossible. It is, because as soon as <laughs> I show up, cooking issue starts. Right. So it's not possible. I may I run over, because... though. I
3: may pull a Dave Arnold and run over, and then you're going to have to <laughs> come on.
2: <laughs> all right, bye. You can call in. <laughs> you can call in while you you're walking. In. In. Hey, if you, if you don't like it, you can all suck it. I'll leave.
3: Right. You know, I think our, our, right. our audience wants you
2: here on time. All right, well. Yeah. No, what they want, I, apparently people listen, so what they want is kind of what they get. and This is what they get.
3: Well, they do start
1: asking where you are, like, you know, much it's earlier. It's
2: part of the fun, is it? You get what you for get. The people that get. Listen, you, the you get what you get, and what's the second half of that? You I don't guess. get upset. You so, get what really? you get, okay. and you don't get upset. So, but should
3: should Matt should we, and wait, I wait, start getting here? So I have. A, a, hey, 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 Matt, Matt, Matt
2: I got a deal for you. Yes. Like yes. every time, Nastasia actually pays attention during the show. I pledge to be on time the next week. I'm okay,
1: She's, she's, she's paying attention for this part.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, because she gets to make fun of me or make me try to feel bad. So yeah, she's gonna pay well, when attention. When there's a
3: personal that. phone call between you and a listener for fifteen minutes, it does get boring. And I no, mean, no, no, no. you like, like, would it, like, back us up on that. I
2: market. have to say, whatever. This is my goal. My I mean, Peter can be the judge. Yeah. If Nastasi's is actually right. like you know. All right, we'll make a call at the end of the show. <laughs> okay. Whether she has paid attention. That's right.
3: Oh, it's only a 20-minute show, so
2: it's not hard to not pay attention. That's uh, not even. You're, <laughs> we actually, we do have to go to break. Do we really? uh, Oh, shit. Uh, not quite yet, but real soon. guys, you know what? It's like, F all of you. Hey, why
1: don't we talk about cheesesteaks?
2: Oh, yeah. What was that? What was that? Why were they talking about John Kerry and cheesesteaks in the intro?
1: Uh, they were talking about the, the, the risk versus reward of uh, politicians eating while on the trail because he, he looked like a fool when he ordered a uh, Swiss he, he, cheese on his Philly cheesesteak. <laughs>
2: That's just because, I mean, obviously, so Peter and I were talking, and like, it's just not what you do, right, Peter? It's not what you do. But like, why are they talking about this now? Who did this? I mean, the classic to me is de Blasio knife and forking his pizza. Horrible. Horrible idea. Right after he got elected, everyone palmed their forehead. New Yorkers don't eat pizza.
1: Nobody.
2: With a knife and fork. Well, in China, you use gloves to wear, which is very weird. You know, but like, I mean, everyone gets to do it their own way. But in New York, you're the mayor of New York. You don't need your... And so, like, Kerry ordered Swiss cheese on his cheesesteak. Listen, if you're a politician, it's very easy. Just go and be like, give me whatever.
1: Yeah, give me the usual.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. what do you make? Give me that. You know what I mean? And then that's what you get. Yeah. And you don't get upset. Right. Nothing on the side... No substitutions. Yeah, but John Kerry was trying to be a man of the people because he asked for Swiss cheese, something that he thought Americans would understand instead of (laughs) Emmentaler. Right. You
1: know what I mean? Get some of that freedom cheese.
2: Yeah, there's so many different kinds of Swiss cheese people.
1: Right.
2: That, you know, to order that just, I don't know. Yeah. Just trying to dumb himself down. Yeah, I'm
1: a whiz guy myself.
2: Actually, when I make cheesesteaks, I use Gruyere. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) 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 or Comte, because, you know... Well, it is better. Or? Yeah. Uh, you know, have you ever had the Louis Lunch uh, hamburger? No. You know about Louis Lunch? I've never been. But you've heard about it? Yes. It's like one, It's the New Haven hamburger joint yes. where they have a vertical grill and they use white bread in a toast and they also have like a vertical toaster thing. And they're a Cheese Whiz. They're a Cheese Whiz on burger. What do you thought of cheese whiz, on, cheese whiz on burger?
1: I love it. I actually, I love processed cheese products in general.
2: Yeah? Yeah. Nastassi, what do you think of Cheese Whiz? Yep. See, not paying attention. She said, oh, yet. I said, said
3: "Yeah." I just, I'm thinking about all the questions we have to get to
2: instead of actually paying attention to what we're talking about. Thinking
3: about so our listener. So that's one. That's that's
2: one point against me being on time next week. Are we here <laughs> yeah, next week? You're not here though, I'm right? I'm not here. Woo! Oh yeah. You can come whenever you want. She's flying. She's <laughs> flying to get herself some corona. Yeah. Coronavirus. Uh, speaking of which. Uh, I would like to hear from anyone whose business they think is currently suffering. We haven't hit, like I don't, in New York, people aren't I don't think afraid to go out yet. I've, you know, it's not been a huge hit on us, but I don't know. Peter, have you have you noticed anyone fewer people going out yet, Matt?
1: Well, Chinatown, yes. Well, that's just, just, just people are racist. That, that right. happened a while ago. Yeah, that, ago. Kind of yeah, that happened a while ago. Yeah, but no, I mean, I went to I went to Jingfong on a Sunday morning and just strolled right in and got a table, and that just doesn't happen normally.
2: Right, but that's mainly racism. Yes. That's less... Or,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to peg all of it on that, but misplaced fears... So, like, 90%? 90
2: Right,
1: yeah, 90%. 95%? Speaking of
2: uh, racist and uh, going to Chinese-American restaurants... Uh, what's happening, we're about to take Chow down at uh, Mofad. You want to talk about that?
1: Well, actually, Chow, we did our last day on Sunday. Wait, we're not, you're not, I
2: thought that the party was this, you're not going to open is it on Friday? Saturday.
1: We are, no, it's, we're going to be, Saturday is the closing party, so people can come and see the exhibition for a last time on Saturday. No Friday hours? No Friday hours.
2: Wow, it's over. Yeah. You've so, missed it, you jerks. Yeah, yeah. So, When's
1: the lease up? The lease is up end of June. Mm. But we are opening African slash American Making the Nations Table. and that's The tickets are just about to go on sale to the public tomorrow. How
2: much are they? The tickets for
1: African slash American Making the Nations Table.
2: Yeah, but what aspect of it? Why don't you explain the procedure? Okay, to so,
1: all right. <laughs> Our new exhibition, which we've been working on for almost three years now, which will be, I think, fair to say, head and shoulders above anything we've done to date. Uh, it, the tickets, the it opens. April 3rd, and tickets go on sale as of tomorrow on mofed.org. How much? Are they? Uh, so, standard tickets are $17, and then we have an upgraded tasting.
2: That I can't why, why don't you tell them where it is? It's at the Africa Center. Where is that?
1: 110th Street and 5th Avenue. Right, which is northeast the northeast corner of
2: Central Sing Park. Sing the song, Dave. The tippy, tippy, what tippy, song. tippy top of Museum Miles. S- S- also known S- S- as S- S- One S- S- Museum Mile. 110th Street. What? Oh, yeah. Across 110th Street? It's yeah, not, yeah. though. It's on 110th Street. Yeah. What it's on, on 110th Street! So, side. what you gotta do is you gotta <laughs> buy your tickets to
1: come, and then stop by afterward at Taranga, which is Pierre Chiam's restaurant, Pan-African restaurant, next door to the exhibition, and then go for a stroll around uh, Harlem. Go up to Marcus Garvey Park, hang out. It's a great neighborhood. Make for a good day.
2: All right. So, uh, here's here's some stuff that, uh, you know, we have these arguments all the time when we're opening museum shows. And uh, one of them is the whole selling tickets. And here's what I want to let anyone who can hear right now: you don't need to buy a ticket. You can just show up. Now, maybe in the first couple of days it's going to be crowded, but you can just show up and buy one there. Maybe it depends on what. Okay, we, sell out. we have this. We had this problem also with Chow. We had these tickets. People are like, "Why well, didn't get a ticket? So I didn't go." Right. You you can go. I mean, like maybe in the first couple of days it's going to be busy. You know, God willing. We're actually but, ho-
1: we're 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 aiming to sell out, man. So we'll, right, see. we'll look on the yeah. internet and see look if we're I, I don't we're want available.
2: people to take as a disincentive to go the idea that they don't already own a ticket. Okay. Or you know what? Like, go on your phone and buy. Also, are you selling exactly as number of tickets as the fire department will allow us to get into that place?
1: No, but we have a certain throughput that we can only have to go
2: through. Right, but my yeah. point is, is that like, are the tickets like timed? I think people the also times. people are worried when they buy a ticket for an exhibit that they don't know exactly what time they're going to get. Don't sweat it. Just come. Buy the ticket online. Come buy it whenever, on your phone.
3: Come whenever, whenever
2: they come. No, that's
1: actually not the case. <laughs> okay. Time tickets. You can. Hey,
2: listen. What happened during chow? This is going to be different. What? It's not going. Everyone. It's the same exact. It's the same exact process, made. and you expect a different result. Absolutely. No, I do not. I expect the same process to have the same result. No. In my It's not my the same life, process. It's what's a, the, same what's process. the difference in the process?
1: Well, we actually are in a central location in Manhattan. No, 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 no. What's the difference campaign?
2: in the process?
1: We're actually planning to sell out. We're expecting high demand for the exhibition. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, sure. But what's the difference in the process?
1: All
0: right. And this feels like a great place to take a break. (laughs) Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center and Macy's Herald Square. Patina is also the exclusive caterer at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, from meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium to galas in the renovated Palm House and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe overlooking Lily Pool Terrace. Executive chef Sarah Flynn's unique menu includes modern dishes with global flavors, with a focus on local and seasonal ingredients.
2: Listen, I've been told during the break that here's what we're gonna do. Oh, Buy your ticket online ahead of time like Peter, that's Peter that's punching that's bag Kim tells you to do. But can they check on the phone if they're in the neighborhood and see whether there's still slots available?
1: You can always try to walk in. It's, it's quite possible there'll be spaces available, but if it's
2: sold out, it's sold out. Is there a it's mechanism be... for someone who can't make it to switch their ticket to a different time? That's absolutely right, yes. There is? Yes. All right, then follow the rules like good museum goers. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else to say about the, uh, about the exhibit? No, that's it. You don't want to tell them why they would want to go? You don't want to tell them what we have there?
1: It's going to be amazing. I mean, look, we have uh, you tastings. The first month is by Carla Hall's. It's a chocolate... It's a,
2: Potato chip, chocolate chip cookie. Uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't. That wasn't a flatulence. That was yep. Nastasia manipulating her microphone because. Yeah, we've got VR experiences. We building. have a massive quilt. Oh my god! Okay, listen. The centerpiece of the exhibit is the ebony While test kitchen. The actual well Yeah. The, is the ebony test kitchen. We have the actual kitchen from ebony magazine. That's kind of the focal center point of the yes, right. exhibit. There's a large quilt displaying uh, it's 400 blocks, displaying some of the 400 stories, some of them unknown, some of the many. That's why there's an infinity sign on the back of it. Yep. Uh, like to show that we can't possibly talk about even close to, you know, the breadth of the contribution in a small exhibit such so we large but still small compared yeah. to the breadth of the exhibit breadth of the subject and so the quilt is to kind of show kind of the, the depth of the, yeah. of the contribution it's
1: going to be an amazing show and I'm, I'm
2: very excited it, can they still buy tickets for the for the pre-opening or no like are we still selling tickets for that no. or no it's no. over that was just for they can
3: buy tickets to the gala
2: they can buy tickets to the gala yeah. mm. if you have some money alright um, on to the questions mm. Do you like cecina? I don't know what cecina is. Dried beef? Oh. Mexican dried beef? I like dried beef all around. All right. I like him aligned. John writes in, greetings everyone involved in cooking issues, and hello from friends to food homestead. Recently, I've been experimenting with making beef jerky in my smoker. So far, the results are fantastic, and I couldn't be happier with how delicious the product is turning out. I now have a stockpile of beef jerky, and we am looking for a way to use it uh, cooking day to day, or even using it uh, as a main dish. Question, how should I rehydrate? And once rehydrated, what should I make with it? Can I simmer some to rehydrate, chop the meat, uh, make a gravy with water to make a beef jerky? SOS. So SOS is, you know, crap on a it's sugar honey iced tea on a, on a shingle. I grew up eating this. Um, you know, any, any, although I've seen some internet websites call it same old stuff. It is, it, SOS stands for poop on a shingle. Yeah. Right? And I grew up eating that stuff. And that is, it's creme, cream chip beef. Basically, yep. on toast is what it is, and it used to be made a lot for the military. Although, I ate it a lot of times in the in the in the 70s. I ate mm-hmm. we ate it all the time. But my I looked on the internet, and what they now sell as chipped beef isn't what I remember. I remember it being more shreddy, and now it looks kind of like just a dried beef bologna product, like a you know a ground meat right. pressed product. But anyway, uh, do you like do you like cream cream chip beef on I toast? I love cream chip beef on toast. It does?
3: I don't. I think I've had it. Really? Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think you would like it? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So the way so like the way you make it is you either pre-soak or don't pre-soak depending on how salty the uh, the chipped beef is, right? And then you make a béchamel be- sauce and then you you stir the chipped beef into the béchamel sauce, so it's kind of like a sausage gravy but instead of sausage it's chipped beef and then you put it on toast. And that's delicious. But I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, the problem with most beef jerky is, I don't know your beef jerky, but for uh, something like that, it's going to have to be shaved very thin. Most beef jerky is cut uh, thicker, and some people, when they cut beef jerky, cut it kind of the long. So, like, are you a beef jerky short fiber or long fiber guy?
1: I like it both ways.
2: Yeah? Yep. Yeah. But I think for this kind of recipe, you're going to want a short fiber. You're not you, so you, it rehydrates faster. Right. The long because they're going to rehydrate along the fibers. So if you do the long fiber, if you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Whether it's yeah. with the grain or across the grain. So if you do a long fiber situation, I think it's going to stay chewy forever, it yeah. and it's going to take a lot longer to rehydrate. Whereas if it's mostly cross cut, then it's going to rehydrate faster. And I'm trying to remember. I think so. Uh, other recipes you should look at are like Sassina tacos, where. In a Cecina' it's, it's salted and semi-dried beef so then you could do partial dehydration, partial rehydration slather it with lard and then like hit it on a comal to kind of crisp up the outside real quick oh. and then cut it and shred it into a taco and it's going to be a chewy salty thing like that but like I think cecina is like halfway to beef jerky so it's not like all the way to beef jerky so like a little bit of soaking, a little bit of lard, a little bit of on the Kamal slicey taco?
1: I'll add uh, one of my favorite Himalayan dishes is beef sukuti which is a beef jerky dish with chili oil and herbs on it.
2: Hook me up. How do you yeah, do it? Do you partially rehydrate that stuff?
1: I don't know. I've never made it but I've eaten a lot of it. And, Where's your favorite place? Uh, in Jackson Heights. I I couldn't name it. but uh, you
3: play the place we play pool? Well,
1: there's a place yeah, by the yeah, the, the one non-Himalayan like Himalayan place I went to Jackson Heights when the start, so we end up in an Irish pub <laughs> playing pool. Of course, that checks anyway, out. Um, so yeah, beef sakuti is great. Um, there's a place called Mustang Takali in Jackson Heights is a good one, and then uh, an Ethiopian dish, quanta furfur. Fur. They have they basically make uh, a furfur, fur, but with beef jerky mixed in with it. It's delicious. It's just a nice the textural context uh, contrast of the soft injera with the the the. Yeah, the tougher jerky is. Really do you nice. like
2: an all tefen jura? Of
1: course. And pro tip is that most Ethiopian restaurants you can call ahead and have them make the full. Really? Jura. Yep. Really? Yeah.
2: How long do you need to give them? Two days. <laughs> I can't. I don't assume I'm going to be alive in two days. Yeah, I well you. Know, they
1: have to ferment the stuff, but like yeah, a lot How of. How much restaurants more have do they charge like? you? Uh, it's like I can't remember, it's a couple bucks per thing, but you have to specify how many you want and Which neighborhood is best for that?
2: Do the people, do the places up near Columbia University do that stuff? Maybe. Where do you go?
1: I like Queen of Sheba in Hell's Kitchen.
2: Yeah,
3: I was gonna say we should go there.
2: That place is outstanding. Do, and, they, yeah. do they have any good mead there?
1: No place I've been to has good mead. The best mead I've found is in DC, just in like the little markets. And you wanna find the stuff that's just like in crusty one liter bottles, like not anything that's in a glass bottle
2: the glasses that no is the
1: I mean if it's in a wine bottle it means it's just like
2: it's not it's not the real stuff. I remember once someone told me this is a long time ago, they said the wine in Italy, the food and wine is so hilly, it's so good in Italy. You could just go anywhere and everything's going to be delicious. So on my honeymoon in 1995, we were driving a car. We were outside of Florence driving on our way up to Emilia-Romana. And we stopped at a farmhouse. And this little old lady with one tooth, like, stepped out of the farmhouse. We uh, pulled the car. Punto. Fiat Punto. So when we hit the brakes, the doors flew off of it. Lady comes out. She has a, like, half-gallon, like, thing like plastic magilla of wine and I was like this is gonna be great little old lady makes w-. oh my god was that the worst tasting pile of garbage <laughs> I've ever had in my whole life just such awesome. just garbage like like yeah. I felt bad pouring it on the plants that's how bad it was did
1: you tell her that because that's what I,
2: what I would have done that's yeah. what you would have done yeah that's what Peter would have done yeah. but have you ever had this kind of experience yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. guy with
3: his grandma made wine in the basement and it was bad <laughs>
2: There's something to be said for knowing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Uh, Speaking of plants, uh, if you ever eat at Roberta's Pizzeria, please bring a watering thing with you. Go to the takeout place where the pizza is and water their plants. We
3: forgot.
2: And Anastasia, every, like, buys, well, buys, the radio show, thank you, Patrick, buys her a seltzer and she shares half of her seltzer with a three quarters dead plant. That's He'll inside. See it later. Oh my God. It. It's sad.
3: It's really
2: <laughs> sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, they're busting on you, uh, Nastasia. In a past episode, Nastasia's mentioned that uh, she thinks Mangalista pork is overrated and made it sound like it was bland or invalid as a quality product. Dismissive would be a good description of Nastasia's reaction. Get used to it, brother. Uh, I am getting into uh, into specializing into producing pastured uh, Mangalista and would like to hear more discussion on the topic. Uh, How much do you know about where the mangalisa you ate come from, Nastasia? What age was the animal at harvest? What was the animal's diet? I
3: have no idea. Was it grain-fed or did it eat a diverse diet? Is the
2: quality reflective of the breed or the producer of the pork you had? (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) God.
3: Well? I have no idea. We have her attention. I have no idea what he's... I don't even remember eating
2: it. I'm helping you out. I'm trying to help you out.
3: (laughs) You are, but I don't (laughs) even know what he's talking about.
2: You must have said something about... Yeah, I
3: must have. Like, years ago, I don't remember. I mean,
2: it's perfectly plausible, yeah. When
3: did I eat this? When did we eat it together?
2: I'm sure it was something where, you know, Patrick occasionally gets mangalista and I'm sure he had it and you're like, "Meh." I'm Probably. sure that's what happened. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. something you would do. It sounds exactly How like
3: many nuts do. did it eat?
2: Please. <laughs> yes, and how many nuts? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is from John, he wants to see you guys to check him out and see all the piglets and sheep they're growing on at friends to food on the, oh speaking of uh, in- Instagram, I put it out on the Instagram, uh, Peter, you said you've never been to Belgium, right? I have, oh. I've been quite a few times. Who is it that said you didn't go to Belgium? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Steph, you still live in Belgium. Oh, so uh, I like. In Liege, in fact. Oh. That's where Steph lived. I never got to go to, when well of course, because it it's Francophone Liege. Like... Yeah. It's Francophone Liege. Yeah, yeah. Right. That makes sense, because she's, a, you know, yeah. a Francophone. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't realize until I got there that Brussels is the French-speaking wart in the middle of a Flemish-speaking region. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so the Liège waffles, for those of you that Beauty don't mark. know... Beauty uh, Mark. Beauty Mark, nice.
1: Bach de booty So, Grand
2: if you've never been to Belgium before, what we call a Belgian waffle is really a very bad version of a Brussels waffle, but the majority of people on the street in Belgium are actually eating something called a Liège waffle. American waffles are batter-based, and what we think of as a Belgian waffle is batter-based. Although the Belgian ones are yeasted, and what they eat in Liège are are brioche dough, brioche dough with sh- like Belgian pearl sugar, which is bigger than the Swedish per- like like pearl sugar that you get on top of pastries, much bigger, uh, and it's almost the size of tapioca pearls. And then they they meld it into the dough and then they put it into this thing but the problem is and I don't have time to talk about it but the waffle irons there cost $4,000 so I found a guy on Staten Island I was able to get one at, at a minuscule amount of the price and I finally used it and I have almost achieved will you stop rifling through your purse please yeah. it's distracting me or at least move the mic away like, like it's uh, it's a life changing waffle people there's a recipe for it on Instagram go to my Instagram and look it up if you need, want the recipe Anyway, really Jordan Wrightson, yeah, really. long-time fan of the show, looking forward to it every week. I don't have a question, but I wanted to reach out in case Dave, that's me, ever had trouble accessing scientific uh, literature. I'm a food science graduate and student at Oregon State University. I would love to go to Oregon State University to Corvallis and check out their pairs, although I was told that by someone that they don't have a lot. Stas, yes? what are you writing? It's so crinkly. Here, hold a second. I'll help you out. Thank you. Um, she's making fun of me on paper yeah, and so in order to make you, fun of me on paper here. she needs to not like move you. the thing uh, someone else. so anyway uh, Jordan thanks someday I will get to visit Corvallis although I've heard they don't have all of the pears like you can eat that I want I want to go see their pears and their small fruits program and also for those of you that need scientific papers and don't have access to them and don't mind stealing things Sci-Hub SCI dash hub ub. It switches from country to country. The current one right now is scihub.tw. What country is TW, Peter?
1: I don't know. I mean, either. I don't G-W. know. TW. I don't know.
2: No uh so go to scihub.tw uh, but the problem there is you need what's called the DOI So you go on the non-paywalled search things for scientific literature and you get what's called the DOI number and then you paste that into SciHub and it'll get you the paper. Okay I uh, also
3: want him to teach us how to sachet his sachet we were talking about is so good
2: okay. okay. Right here? You're crazy, You're crazy. Mm. You're a crazy person. Mm. Uh, Ashma Jaitley mm. writes in, Hey Dave uh, and Cooking Issues Gang, I'm 18 uh, from India and a big fan of your approach to food. Completed almost 300 episodes from the backlog. Oh my goodness. I want to know about how you sort scientific papers and research work from credible and useful to the just horse hockey. This is my first time chiming in. Really excited. So first... Read the I read the abstract usually the conclusion on the paper. I then you can check to see how many times it's been cited, which is a useful thing for older work, but it's not always indicative. Some very good papers are never cited, and some aren't. And then look at its uh, look at its bibliography. Then read it, see whether it kind of passes the smell test for what's going on. Try to see whether you can, uh, if they have a good, there's, if there's not a good section on what they've done wrong in the study, then it's probably not a good paper. They'll also tell you what their conflicts of interest are. Having a conflict of interest doesn't necessarily mean that this stuff is wrong. It just means you have to pay attention to what the ax they had to grind before they start. We all have an ax to grind, right? About, I know I do, right? Well, speaking of, can you ready? see... Um, did you see uh, Public Enemy was going to perform or did perform at a Bernie Sa- Sanders rally? Who? Public Enemy? No. Bernie Sanders? The hip hop group. Yeah, anyway. So Public Enemy is going to perform this at this Sanders rally in Los Angeles. And so Public Enemy, for those of you that, you know, are young, it like was like the conscious hip hop group from like the late 80s early 90s in New York City, in New York. Anyway, so Flavor Flav, who is probably more famous for a younger generation because of reality TV, was one of the founding members along with Chuck D, one of the two or three all-time, maybe top ten, let's say, great like, like rap voices ever, maybe. Chuck D's voice, intensely good. Anyway, so Flavor Flav sends a message saying, I will not be performing uh, you know, at the Sanders rally. I do not endorse Sanders or anything. So Chuck D fires Flavor Flav from Public Enemy fired him like a couple of days ago. It was just like, I was That's like, it's crazy. crazy. I mean, like Chuck D was like, first of all, the idea of ownership of Public Enemy is hilarious, but he's like, I own it. I own the trademark and I'm going to continue with Public Enemy and Public Enemy Radio, which he did to kind of split off. And he's like, Flavor Flav is done and was so dismissive of Flavor. Now, Flavor Flav's got some issues for sure, but I mean, how, how are you having Public Enemy without Flavor Flav? All right. You know it's what I mean? Weird. You need, you need yeah. Chuck D and Flavor Flav, and, and you need Flavor Flav. Right. The future holds nothing else but confrontation. Yeah. Oh my God, Public Enemy. Well, how did I get into that? Who uh, oh no. knows? Can a I point shame. out that
1: Nastasia is uh, has is paying attention?
2: All right. Yeah. Caesar wrote in. Uh, <laughs> hoping with some help from the hop tincture from the book. Short story, I messed it up, but that's not why I'm writing. I diluted the tincture down to roughly 2% with seltzer water, drank it, and the next morning I felt like half my face was swollen. I spent the next day not taking antihistamine, but instead pondering my life choices from the day before, including whiskey, <sighs> wine, vodka, sushi, pho, tincture, and weather. I mean, the weather. You don't get to choose the weather. The weather just happens to you.
3: Well, he's contemplating his choice of living in the place he chose
2: to live. Remember, there's no such thing as... Uh, Bad weather, just bad coats. I was was told that by a (laughs) dog sledder. Um, When I finally took an antihistamine, the swelling subsided quickly. I figured, uh, what is science without repeatability? So 24 hours later, I tried the tincture again, and guess what? The other half of my face got swollen. It's weird that it's like half and half. Uh, Repeat antihistamine, all good. I don't believe I'm allergic to hop. Maybe you're touching your face. Maybe you're touching your face, corona. Mm. Uh... I noticed there is a decent amount of yellow solid matter that got through the Chemex filter I used after the first rust strain. Is it possible that this uh, is just lots of pollen that is triggering a latent allergy? How would you recommend I filter the tincture? Also, I managed to source quinine sulfate and succinic acid and should be getting it. Excited to make my own tonic. Also, is quesadilla a grilled cheese sandwich? Mm, no. Peter? No. No. Uh, then he said, "The Caesar sent an update. Uh, Thanks for forwarding my question. I just wanted to provide some additional information. I spoke to a homebrew shop, and they told me this is probably due to an issue with lupulin, which is you know the hops, the the, the hop containing sacky sacks on the outside of hops. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, he the, he put that tincture in the freezer, and it and it and it mellowed out. But I, apparently, I, I read it on the way in, and there are groups of people who are allergic to hops solids in, or mildly allergic to hop solids in some of the cloudier kinds of unfiltered, dry-hopped IPAs. I was not aware of this. So just be aware that it could be a thing. And if your face swells up, either deal with it like I do or, you know, don't do that. You know Very what I'm saying? Nice. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I forgot to call up last week's question, but I remember somebody <laughs> called up uh, regarding the, um, you know Okara? No. You know the, the, the soy pulp that's left over? Uh, no. You know... You know soybeans. I do know soybeans. Yeah, yeah. You know how you make tofu, right? Yeah, so you grind it up and then you strain out the the soy milk, right? And what's left? Oh, that's called a car. A Yeah. The, well, that's the Japanese. So the, the 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 word was pop. It's it's Japanese. The word was popularized in English by. Um, you know, Shurtleff and Oyagi, who wrote the Book of Tofu and the Book of Miso in, I guess, the 70s. Anyway, so the okara is left over, and it's one of the main things that's left over when you're making tofu, because when you're making tofu, you have okara, which are the hulls. You have the leftover whey, right, which I guess, you know, you could use. They, I think, wash their pots and pans in it and feed it to whatever, you know. And then you have the, the actual coagulant, the tofu, which is delicious. Have you ever made your own tofu? Yes. And it's delicious. Yes. Have you tried the, new, the tofu from the new tofu shop that reopened down uh, in Chinatown? No. You know the one I'm talking about? I love
1: the old tofu shop, and I was really sad when it was gone.
2: They reopened. I haven't had their tofu yet, but I have had their, their like it's pudding so goddamn thing. It's so good. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, if you've never had fresh tofu, you're really missing out. Do you like the Korean soft fresh tofu soup? Do you like chodengal?
1: I like Sundubu.
2: Do you, have you ever been to that so restaurant, Chodangal, who makes their own tofu on 35th Street? Uh, no. I, I'm sure you know a different, I love like, yeah. but you like a good Korean tofu soup. Yeah, yeah right? of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's kind of more of a cloudy, floating in the soup kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's uh, amazing. When you make your own tofu, do you like more of a sil- silky or do you like more of a firm?
1: I like both, I mean it just depends on your application.
2: Right, so they were calling and asking what do you do with Okara. Back in the day, I used to save it and then I would try to do everything, basically all of the things you do with the Okara are hiding it, right? So you can mix it into pancakes and they make them kind of moist and dense. And if you add only up to a certain amount, it's fine. Do they make the pancakes better? No. You I could take uh, and you can mix it into muffins, right? And, and up to a certain percentage, they make it moist and the muffins are fine. But do they make it better? No. So it's like, I've never had a situation where you're like, oh my God. And apparently you can take the okara, you can mix it with sugar, you can press it into cakes, so you can dehydrate it and make like a cookie out of it. I never did that. I'm sure that my opinion of it is that it would be fine. But I've never had anything with it that I thought was amazing. Now, if you were going to be like a, a Rich uh, she or a Numansky, you know, some of these Koji kind of characters, maybe you could Koji-fy it and get something decent out of it. And I think I'm some sure. people do press it, kojify it, and then crumble it. This, maybe you can make something kind of decent out of it because there is residual protein and other things for you yeah, to kind of chew on in it. Well, if you're a if you're aspergillus, something for you to kind of work on. Uh, but I've never tried it. But the question was about the uh, nutritional uh, aspects of it. Uh, it was hard to do a quick Google search on it, but it is. And I couldn't find it because the book is so big. But this brings us to today's it's in The field, yeah, is uh, the book of tofu and miso by William Shirtleaf and Akiko Ayagi. Now. Uh, These books were written, I think, in the either late 70s or early 80s. And back then, there was no information. So like when I was first interested in tofu, there was no information. When I say no information, zero. In the past couple of years, uh, Andrea Nguyen came out with her book, uh, Asian Tofu, which is kind of a a good book. I recommend it. But if you want to see what it was like to have to deal with things before there was internets, um, you gotta check out and for like decades it was the only book available now the problem with this book with the tofu and miso is one you have to sift through they're evangelists they are soy evangelists and uh, they run something called the Soy Info Center in California and eight years ago you know when Nastasia still had belief in human beings we start, were working together a couple of years after we started working together I called up them so he might be dead now I don't think he is I looked it up he, I think he's still alive he picked up the phone and this is when I realized that he hates people like me because, remember I talked about this on the show years ago, I asked him whether you could make a tofu from edamame, I was trying and failing to make tofu from edamame. This is back when I was experimenting with uh, tofu from peas and tofu from, uh, tofu from um, peanuts, uncooked peanuts, all kinds of legumes before... You know, before there was a lot of experimentation in this kind of field and trying to do it for real, not just setting them with agar, which is how everyone cheats to make, quote unquote, tofu. Ain't real tofu, though. Uh, and he basically said, you're wasting something that God has given you and was like, you should not do that and, and <laughs> hung up on me. You're putting uh,
1: Swiss cheese on the cheesesteak, so to speak.
2: Yeah, he's like, why would you do that to edamame? That's such a waste of resources because they, are in, they still believe that they're going to save the world with soy. I'm sure that they, you know, like, and that's really what their mission was, is to save the world with soy. And so there's a lot of that. But they spent um, a lot of time researching this, decades studying it. And still to this day, it's like the most unparalleled research library of soy information and bibliography that exists. So if you want information on the nutrition or the history or techniques, go to the Soy Info Center. Pick up a copy of the book of Tofu and Miso. They were two separate books uh, by Shirtleaf and Oyagi. Uh, and the thing about it is you have to be careful of is like any true evangelist, uh, They want to get the information to as many people as possible, so they made a lot of extremely cheap editions of the book. And some of the cheap editions of the book were hacked and mutilated and and reorganized, and whole sections were left out. So try to get older, original editions. Try to make sure that you don't get abridged ones. The giant book of tofu and miso bound together, I believe, contains all of the information and was how I got started with it. Anyway, still a classic. Cooking Issues. Cooking Issues is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at facebook.com dot slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you.